Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, Mr. Paul Levy. Pitch invading. No, we didn't do that. Um, hello, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. This is episode 104, and having been relegated last weekend, the attention remained on the unpaid staff to the early part of the past week. So, in case you haven't heard, we can bring you some good news later in the show. There was also a uh, a small thing of a pitch invasion to discuss, which led to a game abandonment, and I use that term loosely. Yeah. Uh, it then turns <laughs> out that, that was played behind closed doors. So there's loads to talk about, so I think it's probably best that we just crack on with this week's episode. Yep, so as always, supporters club update. So one more match left this season, one more trip to make, and it's the controversial trip to Blackpool. Um, obviously, lots has happened in the last hour. So that's this Saturday. If you're going on the supporters coach they depart at half past ten. The match kicks off at half past five. As we believe, two coaches are full, but names are still being taken for a potential third booking. So if you would like to book and get yourself down there, you can call 077 And that's our last supporters club update for the until, season. Yeah, until August. Wow. Yeah, until next season. It's been and then they'll probably review where they're, yeah. whether they're going to run coaches to North Ferriby United and Eastleigh and... Woking and wow. other such non-league gems. Wow. But anyway, so we've got quite a large uh, trust update. So thanks very much to the trust for emailing us over. A bit of a roundup as to what's been going on for the past couple of weeks. Uh, a quick mention to the Leighton Orient walking uh, football team who are represented who represented the O's at the preliminary round of the EFL National Cup competition last week, which was held at Millwall. Sadly lost in the final 1-0 to Dagenham and Redbridge. The only goal they conceded all tournament. 1-3, drew one uh, of their group game. So this was a repeat of last season when we missed out on goal difference. So hopefully third time lucky next season. Yep, fingers crossed for that one. So also, a shout out to Digital Media Officer Charlie Long and Community Liaison Officer Howard Gould, who represented the O's as mentors at the Kick It Out Raise Your Game conference and event last Monday held at Arsenal's Emirates Stadium. So alongside ex-pros and managers, there are only 90 mentors who were selected from across the country representing every aspect of football. So the Trust were very proud to have our two Orient staff invited to share their experiences and give guidance to the next generation of young people interested in the career of football. So that's brilliant for Howard and Charlie. So well done, fellas. Yep, and good good um, exposure uh, for the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, holds us in good light, finally. Yeah. On Tuesday the 25th, it was the EFL Day of Action. All 72 clubs had to highlight some of their fantastic community work. And manager Omar Ritza visited our award-winning project Coping Through Football. This mental health project started in 2007, has now grown to six sessions per week and Omar turned up at the Douglas IS Centre to chat to the participants as well as join in with the warm-up and show off some silky skills whilst hmm. joining in again. And he can still ping a pass. Yeah. Brings never lose your touch, apparently. Never. Not that I'd know because I never had one, but apparently <laughs> you never lose your touch. And then on Thursday, <coughs> Callum Kennedy and Liam Kelly spent an hour with local elderly residents at their sheltered housing accommodation in Leytonstone, chatting to the residents, drinking tea and playing boccia. Uh, this has now become a favourite of the players as the residents are so welcoming and the game is addictive. Now, I don't know how to play this. We might have to um, find out from the players and Howard and the residents how, how to play this and get an Orient Outlook podcast for cheerleading going next season. <laughs> 
Moving on, uh, as there probably won't be uh, many, if any, more player visits this season, Howard would like to take this opportunity to thank all the management, too many to mention, staff and players for their continued support and professionalism in what has been a constantly turbulent season. The community, old and young, disabled or otherwise, of all colours and faiths, truly appreciate the face-to-face contact, advice and autographs, and if the impact could be measured in smiles, it would stretch from ear to ear. (laughs) I see what you did there. Thank you to all, and good luck and best wishes to all those moving on. Yeah, so thank you to Howard and Neil and the team at the Trust for sending us uh, their updates and, you know, another superb year for the Trust. Absolutely all the calamity off the pitch I think the trust have been fantastic in what they've done so yeah. a very well uh, big well done to you so a few announcements to make this week so uh, firstly to Janine Adelman who tweeted us on Saturday by saying this coming Saturday is mine and the menace 1881 who is her husband Dennis 10th wedding anniversary so we are planning the perfect day by visiting the Tower Ballroom lunch the JD3 fans march and in the match so we'd like to wish you a happy anniversary. Um, I will come on to the JD3 March a bit later. <laughs> yeah. Be careful, you might not want to, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also, all the best to Bob Dewis, who is having an operation on the 19th of May. I think it's the 19th of May. We wish you a speedy recovery and hope that it doesn't keep you sat down or laid down or in recuperation for too long. Yep, so if you follow us on any of our social media accounts, you must know we've been doing an auction update. So we've been getting pieces of memorabilia from ex-players and fans alike and been auctioning them off on our social media accounts um, to raise money for the Leighton Orient Regeneration Fund. Uh, we've sold loads this week, actually. We're proper Del Boys now, me and you. <laughs> well, I, I could be Del Boy, you could be Rodney. Well, no, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're the taller ones, so you'd definitely be Rodney. Yeah, all right, Trick. So um, <laughs> on Monday, we had two items ended. So Scotty C's debut shirt, which he wore for his debut against Warsaw Way, sold for £195. Um, so congrats to Simon Anderson for winning that and thank you to Scott for his donation absolutely also a squad signed 2014-15 shirt went for £185 congratulations to Robert Colwell for winning this and thanks to Adam Crawford for donating this item yeah and on Tuesday two more auctions ended so we had a signed Arsenal shirt by Wenger on Riviera Adams a few others that went for £230 to Arsenal fan Glenn Davidson who actually rounded it up to £250 so thank you very much there um, to Glenn and thanks to Adam Dudley for donating his item yeah absolutely a centenary plaque produced in 1981 uh, limited edition there was only 500 made sold for £160 Mark Schaffer got an absolute bargain there so well done Mark and thanks David Sears for donating it and it's really good to meet you on Saturday as well great to meet you David and yeah. an honour to present that plaque on the pitch on Saturday <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday <laughs> well done to John Brooks who won the Sombald for £250 so 10% of that will go to the Somb Fund and thanks to Melvin Chambers and Sinead Reynold for donating that superb item only 12 of those made so well done to John for yeah that. real limited edition stuff that and also congratulations to Jerry Reeves Nurse who won the Brisbane Road painting by Terry Large for £300 thanks to Terry and his daughter Catherine for donating this absolutely fantastic item yeah and tonight we had two more finished so congratulations to Steve Hope who won 0506 signed shirt for £180 and thanks to Harry Jenkins for donating the shirt and sending that all the way over from Canada Vancouver Canada a postcard plus two candy bars that I ate that you were privy to yeah he sent a Hershey's cookie bar uh, and 
some nutty, I think it was like a rocky bar. Oh, I'm phoning of. customs. I'll show you one of those. Well. No, you won't. Uh, <laughs> I know you. Uh, right, so congrats also to Ben Furlong, who won Lee Steele's signed Leighton Orient shirt for a, a bargain. That is a bargain. 130 quid. Both of those items today, bargains. I expected both of them to go for a bit more. well over 200 yeah. quid. Well over. Uh, Val Jacobs, you are an absolute legend for donating that shirt because we know how much it means to you. Um, but all thinking of the greater good so thank you very much indeed and also to anybody I know we've thanked everybody probably in the past but thanks to anybody who yeah. has donated if we haven't got around to auctioning it yet don't worry uh, and if it's been won by someone well done uh, for donating a lot of people have dug real deep yep so stuff, so. so last week we spoke about several staff at the club um, and over last episode we spoke about hard working staff who obviously work their bums off <coughs> and haven't been paid um, but it seems we've somehow omitted one of the most well-known faces down at Brisbane Road. So, we want to say a big well done to Theo the Wyvern and thanks for your sideline cheerleading, dancing, singing and on Saturday a balcony appearance that he ended up up there at some yeah, point which amazing. was amazing. So How he got up there? I don't know. <laughs> I idea. Maybe he flew. So Possibly. thanks Theo, well done. <laughs> Fio, and, uh, Fio, Fio. No doubt we'll see you on the sidelines next season. Absolutely. So, um, we've had quite a few emails in this week um, interestingly um, sadly we don't have time to read every single one out but we'll read bits of the ones that we do have yeah. because you know there's a lot of good content there so uh, first of all Chris, uh, Christine Dewis has emailed us in she says I've heard many fans saying I'm not renewing my season ticket as I'm not giving FB any of my money if he's still around next season I can see why they're I can see where they are coming from and I do understand their frustration towards him as we all feel that deep anger and how one man could do this to our club. Yep, so she has on to say for myself and my husband, we shall be renewing uh, as we feel that this club needs all the support it can get and if we did not renew, Saturdays would not be the same again and as I for one would certainly do not want to go shopping on a Saturday. Also, the season ticket money goes towards staff wages and running of the club, which if hardly anyone renewed, this would soon affect the club and can't rely on fans paying at turnstiles each home game. Some say they only want to go to away games. Well, FB still gets his cut of that. Yeah, she goes on to say, I think that when the deadline comes for renewing season tickets, most supporters will have second thoughts and will miss the great camaraderie and prefer their same seats still. I personally like where I sit. And I intend to keep it that way with a great bunch of supporters. This is a club we all love. I started coming in promotion year 69-70. And whether you're an old or a new supporter, this is the club you chose and it's part of your lives. You have met and made good friends over the years and we are one of the nicest clubs in the country. We've all come together even more over the last year. We have got this far. Don't give up now. Yep, she goes on to say, it has been our worst nightmare. And I can't remember a club in such turmoil for me. FB seems to want to punish us for whatever reason. I hope he's happy with himself because it seems he's achieved what he set out to do. And when he said, I'll get you out of League One, he's surely done that all right. (laughs) Well, my rant over. Have a good summer. And all those going to Blackpool, take plenty of tissues. I admire you all. And she finishes off by saying, well done on another good year with the podcast. And hopefully we shall see you both in your same seat next season. So she said both in capital letters because obviously me and Paul, we agree on a lot of things. But at the moment, we're a bit not in agreement with this or don't seem to be at the moment so for me I think I'm going to renew next season as long as the prices aren't too uh, maybe lower haven't they you would think they would have to be lower but when we got relegated out of League 1 I think he actually put them up slightly didn't he because he lowered the kid prices yeah Um, so as long as the prices aren't too bad I think I'll end up renewing because obviously it's like Christine said you know it's what we 
it's what we do and yeah. you know that's I'm, my stance on it you? I'm still 50-50 because I don't like I've had enough of this season so I think a lot of what I'm saying is because I'm drained from this season and I just don't want to be doing this like putting myself through this like next season as well if he's still if Bichetti still owns the club so for you if Bichetti goes you have no problem renewing renewing next season pretty much would be nailed on renewing again price dependent it would be pretty much nailed on if he stays I'm more inclined to go away yeah rather than home which from a podcast perspective is obviously good because we've got someone at every game <laughs> on it you know what <laughs> I mean it's yeah. a different perspective but um yeah, um, jury's out for me at the moment. I think I'll, I'll decide later in the summer as to what I'm absolutely going to do. It, once upon a time, it was unheard of in my mind yes, yeah, yeah. for me to be having this conversation at all. Yeah, Because I'd be like, no, of course, whatever happens, I'm going to be there, support the team, and that's what I'm there for. But, you know, after the events here, it, Christine's absolutely right. The Lindsays, the Adas, the Collins, the Charlies, the Chrissy, the, the, the Steves, rather, all that lot, they all need supporting. Um yeah, but there's only so much I think you can take. But again, I think jury's out for me at the moment. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see. Cool, nicely summed up there. So Christine also sent an email out to other supporters she knows and a, and a mixed response. So from uh, one of her acquaintances called Gary, <coughs> says, I haven't been to Orient because I will not give my hard-earned money to a criminal who is deliberately going out of his way to destroy late in Orient. He goes on to say, Millwall, Chelsea and Spurs fans would never put up with Bichetti and by being somewhat passive and psychophantic towards that scumbag the O's have got what they deserve that's a bit harsh actually um, also goes on to say I was banned from the message board because I said that Bichetti was a crook and will destroy Orion he goes on to say I will never set foot in Brisbane Road as long as Bichetti's got anything to do with Orion and goes on to finish by saying if I need to see a football match I'll go to Barnet at least Clem Faust is that Clean the chairman yeah, yeah. is an honourable man who treats his club's supporters with respect I would say that whether you're going to the game or not you can still see on your phone your smartphone or on the telly at the you know or in the paper if you don't watch telly for example I don't know who doesn't but just saying um, you'll still see the score you'll still see the results yeah, you'll still see where they are in the league because you'll still have a passing interest yeah, yeah. so whether you're going to the game or not you're still going to be affected uh, from Ray, uh, also part of that email group, said, I respect my fellow supporters' views on this subject, but feel to not renew my season ticket if Mr B remains in charge. is cutting your nose off to spite your face. Yes, I will wait until hopefully the ownership situation is clearer, but what will be will be. I go to the Orient for the complete package, the intimacy of the ground, the warmth of the South Stand Bar, and the friendly atmosphere of the supporters' club. What else will I do on a Saturday afternoon? Go and watch the Matchstick Men at the London Stadium or the in-betweeners or underachievers at Wembley? I don't think so. We must carry on the fight to make our club great again. So again, good points there. And then lastly from Richard, who says, I totally understand Christine's argument and as a supporter of nearly 50 years, I do not relish not renewing my season ticket as I've been sitting, standing in the West End for most of these 50 years. I'm enraged by the current owner who has apparently just settled the tax bill. Uh, enraged is not strong enough in respect of the staff Simon, the photographer and our suppliers, a man who is allegedly very wealthy and does not have the morality to settle what he owes to people who have mortgages to pay and families to support should be illegal, just like the BHS pension scandal. So sadly, I've come to the conclusion that I cannot trust the current owner to hold my season ticket money and pay the HMRC and the staff. If I truly thought it would be held in trust for those people and would be used for that purpose, I would renew as soon as I could. However, I will put money aside for away games and yes, the owner will get some of this money, 
but what will he use this for? I'm hopeful that we will get a new owner sooner rather than later. So thanks for all the emails regarding yeah. that. It's a very, very it's interesting, interesting views. Different views. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you can get hold of us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at Orient Outlook at Outlook. Outlook at Outlook.com Easy for you to say. <laughs> so let us know, yeah, if you're going to be coming to Brisbane Road next season. Yep. Thanks for all your emails and tweets following episode 103. And also a big, big thank you to Joe Newton and to Dave Victor. I think a lot of people were touched by what Dave had to say Very and good. prompted a lot of people to get in touch. So uh, I think there's re- record numbers, again, for that For, for that a standard, episode. For a standard week that, you know... Very, very strong. Yeah, very so, strong. So, so thank you to you both for coming on. I think people, a lot of what you guys said resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, especially so, in part when Dave was saying about you know, taking his son driving past Leighton Stone and that used to be a football club. That was, yeah, that was hard to listen to, yeah. but very, very worth it. So the week that was, while we were recording episode 103 last Sunday evening, two things were going on. There was a quiz at the Supporters Club, which was arranged by Lee Deering. Uh, with all proceeds from the quiz going to the Leighton Orient Regeneration Fund, uh, the night raised 1,185 quid, which is a tremendous amount of money, which included the raffle, the entrance fee, and an auction for a signed Moses T-shirt that sold for £110. Uh, the podcast donated a signed Orient football from the early 90s that was won and then donated to be put back in for yeah, auction, amazing. which we'll do at some point. So thank you to whoever won that. The Charismatic Kids, I don't think you need to be told who (laughs) that team was made up of, but it was made up of the staff team who won the quiz by just a single point and they won the trophy and wine as first prize. So well done to the Charismatic Kids. And then just after we finished recording, Sandro Semedo tweeted that he'd been called up to the Portuguese under-21 squad. So absolutely outstanding had no idea that they were even aware that yeah. he was he was playing so congratulations Sandro well done pal Keep well up. done hard work starts now yeah well done Sandy so Monday 24th of April so it's a bit of a hectic day yeah uh, on Monday uh, lots of non-related football news uh, for the club as the following events occurred so firstly ex-chairman Barry Hearn resigned as honorary president of Leighton Orient FC and released the following statement he said it is with sadness that I have decided to resign from my honorary role as life president of Leighton Orient FC with immediate effect. I cannot be associated in any way with a club or business that does not pay the wages and salaries of its hard-working staff, players and officials. I hope for everyone's sake that the stewardship of the club is resolved as quickly as possible and everyone will be repaid all that they are owed. Yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Then, the staff issue... Uh, The staff at the club issued their second statement regarding the unpaid wages from March. This follows their first statement from the previous week that has had no response from the directors at the club. And the statement reads, Further to our previous statement dated April 19, where we appealed to the club's board of directors, we have been met with a wall of silence. Chief Operating Officer Vito Michelli had no answers to questions posed by a Waltham Forest Guardian journalist following Saturday's fixture in which the club's relegation was confirmed. We are now on the 24th day of the month and are yet to receive a payment of wages for March, with April due in only four days' time. We are extremely concerned about the ongoing situation given the effect of non-payment of mortgages and rent are already resulting in staff having to relocate. Due to, the, due to this, we appeal to the English Football League and the Football Association to intervene on our behalf as the regulatory bodies in the sport and demand substantive answers from the club's board. 
It was previously reported that the EFL met with the directors of the club in March, where the club's plans until the end of the season were outlined and financial reassurances were given. Having failed to have these plans communicated to us as staff, or even see evidence of such plans during the intervening weeks, it reinforces our grave concerns regarding the financial stability of the club or its ability to pay outstanding debts. Within two weeks of the season left, sorry, with two weeks of the season left before we fall out of the remit of the EFL, we call on you to act immediately and without delay on our behalf. With the growing management of football clubs in general, we feel your intervention is essential in order to safeguard ourselves as well as other clubs who may find themselves in a similar situation so that was in the a, future. That was the second statement there from the staff. So the first one called on the directors of the club to come forward and give them some answers and they wasn't forthcoming. So the second one called on the EFL and FA. It was, like they said, 24th day of the month. So crazy there. So your views on that, um, yeah. Mr Levy? For me, I think it's a superb statement from whoever released that, whoever yeah, wrote it and released it. Um, this should really get the attention of the right people and hopefully it will end well. Obviously, I'm writing this uh, at the time of this event. Yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine what it would be like not to be able to pay mortgage or bills and to carry on coming into work for someone who is so callous and disrespectful but expects you to carry on working and being professional. Sadly, this is employment and company law and not FA or EFL laws, which would explain their lack of intervention. Yeah, for me, I can't really add <clears throat> more than what you just said, really. You know, the staff were well entitled to put out that second statement <clears throat> following the first statement and no response and very well written. Credit to the hardworking staff, again, who have remained yeah, agree. dignified throughout this ridiculous situation. So loads of views and tweets came in um, on the back of that statement. We'll just mention three or four. So firstly, from Atstu Futs who said, I'm still astounded the current regime have broken no FA and EFL rules by not paying staff. Hashtag heads gone. Yeah, at Tony Adadir... Um, Adid, uh, sorry, Adid, uh, I can't even say it. At Tony Adid, uh, Adrian? I think so. Tony, let us know. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, my bad. Real tongue-tied. Never, never happened to me before. This man is a disgrace to Orient. Football, business, and he's just been allowed to make fans, staff, and players... Suffer. Yeah, and at Steve Nugent, New K, UK, says Bichetti has surely broken FA rules. <clears throat> How can there not be rules in place to protect the integrity of the game from a demented owner? So some good tweets there, all yeah. making good points. And obviously that statement got loads of media attention, you know, Sky Sports picked up on it straight away. BBC London started running stories, BBC, Mirror, Sun, all ran bulletins on it. <clears throat> and in the early evening, the silent EFL finally released a statement regarding Leighton Orient. So they came up with a short statement that said, uh, said the EFL remains exceptionally concerned about the current situation at Leighton Orient. We also were for frustration being expressed by the club's staff. This is shared by the EFL executive as we are similarly seeking answers to a number of important questions from the directors of the club. Silence is not an acceptable response. So obviously, you know, they've had no contact with Bichetti or Vito or Alessandro. They went on to say the EFL has met with Leinoin Chief Executive Alessandro Angeleri on March 9th. And at this meeting, we received confirmation that funds would be made available to dismiss the winding up petition and fund the club going forward. The EFL board received an update on the situation at its meeting on April 6th with the club being asked to provide a further commitment following widespread reporting that the required funding had not been made available and no response has been received to date. 
the EFL executive are continuing to work with the club's dedicated staff to ensure the appropriate arrangements are in place for Saturday's final home game of the season. We would like to place on record our thanks for those that are making this possible, including the local safety advisory group. Additionally, a meeting has been arranged with Leighton Orient's Fans Trust to try and keep those parties with the club's best interests at heart united. So that was the EFL statement following the staff statement. Yeah, Lots so of statements. Good, good to finally see the EFL acknowledge the shambles that has been going on at our club. Again, you know, <clears throat> we haven't broken their rules. They are the government body. They just make sure that the game's played in accordance with the rules that are set That's up all. by the Football Association. So, unfortunately, they don't have a, a governance over people being paid on time and, and all of that. Perhaps that needs to be looked at. Perhaps Absolutely. that's what John Cryer's motion 159 yeah. needs to needs to really push, that there is some sort of governance around, you know, running the club properly. Hope because so. you look at the Portsmouth that really <coughs> went out and the, the current clubs that are in turmoil, the, the Coventry's, the Blackpools, etc. Yeah. Um, so at around seven o'clock, the first reports of staff being paid start to emerge. More reports start to come forward throughout the evening with most staff appearing to be paid 24 day. 24 days late by Francesco Becchetti. Yeah. About time, really, that he, he did that. So, Certainly agree with you more, yeah. Um, you know, my, my thoughts on that really sort of finally good news, really. This shouldn't have even been a news story. So it really shows you how backwards our club has become. And yeah. I think well done is in order for Shona, uh, who approached Vito on the train home from crew, and Mr. No Comment made no comment. <laughs> Uh, which helped the staff statement really and I think it helped yeah. keep the authorities up the backside when you've got the chief operating officer sat on a train saying I've got nothing to say yeah yeah when absolutely when your employees have not been paid for th- over three and a half weeks you should, you should be ashamed of himself he's yeah. an absolute scumbag yeah your for me yeah hopefully this is the, <laughs> the end of this ludicrous situation you know how it has taken this long for staff to be paid is anyone's guess you know and the EFL FA FB and our club you know have not come out well this at all so no, well done no. to everyone who's highlighted the situation and has tried to get the issue issue resolved so better late than never I guess yeah. but still very poor and again loads of tweets for, uh, at pankp 7 summed up well by just saying shocking that employees being paid what they're owed is breaking news this is what it's come to and yeah summed it up perfectly pretty you know. sharply there yeah absolutely so let's move on to Tuesday the 25th of April in the morning, both George Sessions and Shona Duthie report that the players and the staff at the club have finally been paid for March. The payment has come from a different bank account to usual uh, and each payment was processed individually, meaning that not all the full-time staff and players received their wages on the same day, with some receiving payment the previous night and others this morning. Unfortunately, at this point, it looks like matchday staff were still waiting to receive their March wages. So even though it had been sorted, it's still... Sounds like a bit shambolic, yeah. you know, by some people getting paid before others and match day staff not being paid, it's, it's just all over the show. Yeah. So in the afternoon, Victor Adebayejo tweeted the following, he said, I'm very happy and proud to have been offered a new professional contract, God is so good and I pray for many more blessings. So some great news there from Vic, I, I presume he's signed it, he says he's been offered one, I presume he signed it, you would hope so. I would so. For me, you know, very happy to hear that. He's had a very good year Vic, in terms of progress coming through the first team. Obviously, he scored his first goal the other week against Hartlepool. Yeah. But for me, who is, who's, who is taking Victor aside from the club and saying, we'd like to offer you a new contract? Yeah. Who is doing that? Yeah. Because there doesn't seem to be a plan for the future. So is it Omer? Is it Vito? Who, who is... Well, FB's got to sign it off, surely, because it's his money at the moment. I don't know, mate. And why would Victor want to sign? Yeah. 
you know, um, nice surprise for me, but I agree with you. Who's, who's arranged this? There's also another player, Norms or something, at Norms, someone called Norman, who also tweeted to say they've been given a contract, but I didn't really look much more into that. But someone's having contract conversations with, with people at the club, but who's, who's doing that? Well, at least someone's having talked about these players, because the last one we want is these players it. to walk out. So, yeah. good news there. So, yeah. Wednesday, 26th of April, a quiet day at the club for once. So, no news is good news. Nothing to report. Yeah. Thursday the 27th of April, George Sessions spoke to Omar Ritzer ahead of the Colchester game and he said, we will try and go out on Saturday and do the best we can and we will try to put in a performance. Hopefully we can come away with something and a bit of pride and leave a good picture in people's minds. I think the future can be bright for the club. All our young players are contracted, so that's a positive. And I've said to them they are in a win-win situation because they have contracts and if other clubs come in for them, then our club will deal with that. The future is bright, providing we get things sorted quickly. Yeah, so I like so that. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Absolutely. And there's yeah. going to be some kids who are going to be in the shop window already. You know, Miles Judd won the EFL Apprentice of the Year about two weeks ago. He's definitely going to have clubs looking at him. List. Tristan's 100%. played about five or six games. He's already got two league goals for the league. He's you know, scored against Luton, scored against Hartlepool. There's some players catching people's eyes, I would have thought. So, very good to hear and then also in the afternoon, media and communications manager Charlie Munford tweeted the following. No. He said, Colin. What did I say? Charlie. Charlie Munford. Yeah. Brilliant. So Colin, <laughs> Colin Long or Charlie Munford. So final programme, all sorted. Shame Charlie and I couldn't end it the way we wanted to, but circumstances were way beyond our control. So, you know, I guess everyone at the club knows what a precarious and difficult situation the entire staff are working under. And it's a shame. They couldn't put out the final programme as they wanted. Shame they had a on you great idea. for doing that, yeah. They had a great idea for a final programme, but just the stupidity at the top of the club just wouldn't allow it to happen. Never mind. Friday the 28th of April soon crept up upon us. I thought last week went really, really quickly. It did. Uh, we wake up to the news that staff and players have not been paid by the club, but obviously the club do have until the end of the day to make those payments, as yep. per last time. Yeah, so later in the afternoon, George Sessions said that the club understood to have paid all full-time staff for April from the same different bank account as the last payment, but not all of the players received what they are owed for the month. Yeah, and also, which is obviously shocking in its own right. Um, also, uh, just to, to mention and uh, to thank, really, uh, Digital Media Officer Charlie Long announced that he will be leaving his role at the end of the season. So good luck to you, Charlie. Thanks for all your hard work, and we hope to see you sat near us in the south stand yep. at some point in the near future really yeah. so also moving on then to Saturday 29th of April so it started with the club releasing the following short statement at 12.15 so it said in response to recent press releases the club confirms that today there isn't any outstanding debt to Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs the HMRC and all salaries have been paid in full and that was it it was short it was sweet. It's probably unneeded, unwarranted. But there yeah. you go. You, yeah, I mean, you'd argue that why do the club need to tweet or make a statement that they're actually saying something, uh, doing something that is naturally done? But that's just the ridiculous nature that we're in at the moment. Is that they're putting statements out saying, "Hi, everyone, we've we've paid our tax bill." Yeah, we don't know. Hey, aren't, aren't we great? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And then at half <coughs> one, the loft rally took place uh, in the gardens. By the ground, so I was at a children's show uh, yeah. in Harlow. So Mr. Levy was there representing the podcast. So yeah, 
Most, most, I, I got massive arm ache, so after about 20 minutes or the half hour, I gave up, but then had to, and also about two, I had to leave to to go and meet people for auction stuff. Yeah. But really good turnout, lots of people, busy. lots of people being very supportive, really busy. Um, John Cryer spoke, uh, a chap whose name I couldn't quite hear from the council, um, also spoke, yeah. uh, very supportive words from everybody there. Uh, another chap spoke again people don't seem to fathom that they actually have to put the microphone quite close to their mouths <laughs> to talk um, you can't just stand a foot away and expect it to pick it up that's not how I think those things work but uh, I think one of the highlights of what I saw was Doug and I think it's Steve White um, sang their song 12 Days of Bichetti a la 12 Days of Christmas yeah, which was good. absolutely brilliant there is video footage on our Twitter account uh, go and check it out it is fun um, I think it's number five Ian Hendon that's uh, brilliant it's really well done and you know what it, you know I, I, I didn't see the end I know that Shona and, and, and Dave Victor went to, to speak to people um, so there's loads of reports out there but good. it was a good turnout and, and a good rally good which leads us on to Colchester at home so in the morning we put out our normal Saturday morning tweet had some lovely responses um to that tweet so firstly from at Ox Ooch who said this is not the end of something it's the start of something new today's sellout is a vote of confidence in LOFC's future as much as a sad idea yeah at uh, O's fan base it says some says something about us fans that we are down but might be the biggest gate of the year keep together and come back stronger absolutely and at LOFC 1971 says 37 years of watching LOFC in a football league ends today taken by my dad and my uncle when I was younger, and now I'll go with my son. Hashtag Bichetti out. So the team was announced. Sergeant in goal, uh, back at Clark, Pollock, and Parks, with Yant, Collins, Alzate, and Kennedy. And then up front, Abrahams, McCallum, and Semedo. And subs bench, Janata, Mezigay, Oching, Monker, Karoma, and Nomo, and Adebayejo. Yeah, that meant there were three changes from the crew lineup as Jens Jantz. Callum Kennedy and Paul McCallum start and Teddy Mezegay, Henry Ocheng and Victor Adebayejo were on the bench and for me I still don't understand how Jens Jantz is even allowed to wear a late Orient first team shirt well to be fair you wrote that before the match started yes um, and I still stand by it even absolutely. more so having seen him play <laughs> and for me I'm just delighted with better options on the bench though yeah for me I'm just delighted all the Konomo's alive I was worried about that guy last <laughs> seen in Luton in the away enclosure so I'm very happy yeah um, he's still alive Good. and I'm also extra happy to announce that we are joined, uh, making his Orient Outlook return. comeback return, <laughs> uh, Mr. George Sessions. Hi, George. Hi, lads. How you doing? All right, you? Yeah, not too bad. A very, very warm welcome then. Uh, oh, well, always warm. <laughs> always warm. So never yeah, never lukewarm. Always warm. So, so, George, your thoughts on the team then on Saturday? What, what did you make of the, make of the lineup? Um, it was a bit of a strange one, really. Um, pro- probably not who made a big point of it. I was a bit surprised Callum Kennedy was a wing-back. Um, I'm quite a fan of Callum, but I've always seen him as a, a left-back, and that's only really it. Um, sort of going forward, he isn't the greatest. But I was quite surprised he was a wing-back. Um, and, and obviously, Jens Jansen coming back in was a surprise. Um, he didn't do that badly, to be fair, the previous time, but I just didn't see how he's going to do the sort of the job that you need as a wing-back. Um and sort of didn't realise it at the time, but to sort of see Sandro in the middle um, playing centre field was a bit of a surprise, but obviously uh, he proved everyone that he, um, he's capable of doing it. But yeah, the, the sort of starting team was a bit strange. And then uh, to see my, my favourite person in the world 
Oh, it's no mo on the bench. Was there was enough <laughs> surprise as well. Brilliant. At least your favourite player wasn't actually starting. Yeah, unlike I, I, my favourite yeah. player. I, I wouldn't have enjoyed doing a player rating on him. I think if he'd uh, started, or come on. <laughs> so the last our last football league match at Brisbane Road for at least a year kicked off with the O's attacking the south stand and we lined up in a 3-4-2-1 formation with McCallum, the lone front man, being supported by Abrahams and Alzate. First 20 minutes, I thought we looked okay. I thought comfortable at the back. We didn't really cause cultures to too many problems. I thought McCallum didn't really look fit. Uh, I thought Callum looked a bit sloppy. I thought Tristan looked lively, but we couldn't get the ball to him. And I thought Alzate was just being pressured all the time off the ball. George, any thoughts on that? Any impressions yeah, in the first I'd, 20 minutes? I'd agree on um, Tristan was probably the, the main bright note, wasn't it? I think in those first 20 mm. minutes. But it's kind of the standard 20, 30 minutes for him. They start fairly well, sort of knocking the ball around. Okay, um, you know, sort of the opposition aren't threatening too much. Coaches didn't do a great deal sort of going forward. I think they had one chance, um, but it wasn't sort of anything major. But it was just, it, it was kind of played... It was a decent tempo to it, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't played like a game where both teams sort of knew that a win was massive enough. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Colchester need the points and they to sort of keep alive their playoff dream, but it wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't the sort of most exciting game in the world, you'd say. Yeah, yeah. No, I have to agree with you. But then, just on the twenty-sixth minute, Colchester took the lead as Eastman delivered a decent cross from the right. Tarek Fosu gets in a strong close-range header. And he puts him up 1-0. No no real chance there uh, for Sargent. Thoughts on that, George? Yes, a classic goal, wasn't it, really, from this season. You know, ball into the box, no one tracks the runner. Um, Fossey was sort of playing kind of just behind the, um, just, yeah, just sort of behind the forward. So one of the midfielders really should have been, um, should have been tracking him. But I, you know, I'm not sure for sure, but it might have been Sandro's man, actually. And that's sort of something he's probably not used to dealing with, you know, runners into the box. But... I've not actually, had, I've not watched the goal back yet, but at the time I did wonder if Sergeant maybe could have um, could have come out and tried to sort of claim the ball. Um, I might be a little, little bit overly harsh with that, but my sort of full process at the time was was that he, he might have done a little bit better. And, and you know, no one really did, done a great deal of closing down. Um, Tom Eastman did that even really. It was yeah, just yeah. a little bit of a you know a bit of an easy goal really for him to concede. And I think it's just a little, little lapse of concentration there from a few people. Yeah, I think summed that one and well up there. So, following that, both sets of fans gave it to each other. Um, yeah, in the south stand corner. corner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a few smoke grenades from the Colchester United supporters, and the match pretty much continued in the same vein. Support was still still there. Lots of Bichetti out chance, but lots of Orient chance as well. Great atmosphere. Quite a large crowd. And in the forty fifth minute, we almost equalised on the stroke half times. Kennedy delivered fantastic ball in from the left. Uh, McCallum done well actually to beat his man in the air. But their keeper got down low and saved it. I thought that was the best chance for Orient. I thought Callum's cross there was really good. Hit it first time in. I mean, Callum done well and was unlucky not to score. Any other thoughts on the first half, George? Um, it was just kind of as I kind of already said, really. It was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. I mm. think the both sort of fans, that, that was probably one of the one of the highlights in a way, sort of the culture to fans, you know, giving it quite a lot to the Orient mm. fans and Orient sort of giving it back to them. Um you know, obviously a lot of police kind of got called in at that point. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, pleasing to see sort of uh, you know, about two hours later or about an hour later, and you know, those both sort of sets yeah. of fans coming together. But, um, but yeah, it, the um, the chance at the end was was a really good play by both of them, Callum Kennedy and uh, and McCallum. It's unlucky that there was no one really following up. 
because um, you know, it was a very good end and a pretty good save actually by the Colchester keeper at Walker. But um, yeah, shame no one could follow it up and uh, smash it in because obviously scoring for half time would be a good time to do so. Yeah, and but so we played out the that a minute of injury time and we went in one 0 real tight first half. I think it's fair to say not not really many chances. We looked alright, but same old story. They get one chance, um, they score. We had a fair bit of the ball certainly for the opening 20, but never really threatened. And I think that's yeah. that's the lacking of, of our cutting edge that's that's plagued us all season, yeah. uh, really. So uh, attendance was 6,854 uh, with 1,257 uh, in the away end. I, I thought we had more at home. It looked more, and I thought they had less fans, to be honest. But um, second half kicked off, no changes for the O's. And in 52nd minute, out of absolutely nowhere, Samaido uh, gets the ball just inside the Colchester half, goes on a major little run, uh, squares up to shoot from, I would say, about 30 to 35 yards. We're all probably thinking, don't do this, mate. You're probably going to put yourself into shame. Yeah. And he hits it absolutely beautifully with an audacious effort. Ball kind of swerves, but it's got loads of power in it and just fly, flies into the top corner and cue a pandemonium uh, in the ground a fantastic yeah. goal Sandro runs straight into the crowd celebrates with them and gets booked for his troubles yeah what, from your bird's eye view George what what did you make of that yeah it was a brilliant goal wasn't it um, sort of, before we sort of speak about Sandro I think Tom Parks did really well actually in the build up to that yeah. um, he was in a little bit of a sticky situation I think he was being closed down by a defender and he turned away from it really well and I think he tried to pass to Alzate. I think it might have been, but it deflected into um, Sandro's pass. But, you know, it sort of shows, you know, Tom does kind of take a few risks at the back, but when it kind of pays off, that is, um, you know, it sort of gets players in decent positions. And you know, it was an unbelievable strike by Sandro. You know, I, think, I can't think of any goal I've seen better this season from an Orient player, certainly. And probably going back a, sort of, you know, to the season before last, I can't think of many better than that. And I'm really pleased for him because... You know, he has got some stick this year and some of it deserved because you know, even though he's 20, some of his performances haven't been great and um, you know, at times he's he looked like a bit of a passenger really um, out on the wing. I think on those occasions that's when he probably could have done with a rest but you know, sort of the, uh, the way Bacchetti's handled the squad this season and, and let people go left, right and centre, there isn't anyone really able to replace him to give him a rest. So I'm... Um, I'm really pleased that he um, they actually had that moment. It was a stunning strike, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. And I thought we had a, a really, really good game. And that was kind of you know, some. I'm sort of going back to the hard. And some people sort of would have preferred relegation to have been done and dusted then, just so it was out of the way. But I think for these youngsters, any any kind of good moment they can get, you know, because the last two, three months has been terrible for all of them. Any any good moment they can get is uh, is worth cherishing. And, and that is um, you know, the last the last goal in the football league for at least a season at Brisbane Road um, from an Orient point of view is yeah great one to end on that one um, so Brisbane Road is rocking at this point Colchester fans suddenly go all quiet but following this the Colchester suddenly had to take the game to us again and we're now seeing more of the ball yeah and in 66 minute Paul McCallum came off uh, for Victor Adebayo I think McCallum made a point of clapping um, all four sides of the ground as he was going off. And for me, I don't think we'll see him again in the no-shirt at Brisbane Road, unfortunately. Um, no. Like I said earlier, I didn't think he was fit. It would have been nice for him to get a goal. But obviously his contract expires in the summer. And I think PMC's done. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably a fair thing to say. 78 minutes, disbelief in the stands as Colchester 
made it 2-1 as a very poor, I think you've been very kind in writing this, a very poor back pass from Jens Jantz doesn't make it anywhere near Sandro, uh, Sergeant. Sergeant, sorry, and Fosu gets the ball round Sergeant, pass it to Porter, who made it 2-1. For me, Jens Jantz assists in the Colchester goal rather than tries to back pass. George, thoughts? Oh, it was absolutely terrible, wasn't it? And, you know, it's not the first time we've seen him make a similar mistake um, it's not the first time we've seen other senior players make some mistakes. You know, unfortunately, as, as much as obviously everything going on behind the scenes has played a huge part, you know, you know those mistakes have cost Dorian. And it was, you know, I think I really, I really felt like they could have kind of had a good final ten minute push at Colchester and really could have actually had a decent chance of winning the game mm. um, because there was, you know, sort of atmosphere was building. Everyone knew it was like coming to, you know, an important last sort of passage of play, and it was just. You, I how old is he? He's thirty. He might be thirty-one. You know, even if it was a nineteen-year-old doing that sort of mistake, you'd criticise him because you shouldn't ever pass back to your goalkeeper in that situation. But I've got no idea what he was trying to do. Really, that you know, it wasn't the best of passes back to him. I think from Alzate, but all he has to do is knock it out for a throw. You know, it's it's so easy. Even I could have done it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it, you know, again, Orient really should have ended their season at Brisbane Road and not higher, but sort of with a positive kind of result. And and that's cost them no sort of no bones about it. It was um, you know, the defeat was essentially done to Yancer in the end, and then his kind of exit was uh, just summed up his performance. Really, didn't it? That was pretty yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I actually thought he was doing all right up until that point in the game. I didn't think he was he was amazing, but I didn't think he was having a particularly bad game. He was just there. And he was getting involved, but Passenger. as soon as he'd done that back pass, his hair, his hands straight on his head, and he looked distraught. You know, he was bending down as soon as he'd done it, head head on the floor. And like you said, he got subbed off straight away. Uh, but I think that sub, sub was happening anyway for Corona. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a real, a I was real in, error. I, I mean, was you were properly enraged by this. I think I was calling him a, wa- a wage thief and everything that I could that wasn't uh, you know too obscene. You know, he literally is assisted in this goal and it's absolutely ridiculous. Is this another Omer mistake or is this Bichetti interference considering who you've got on the team? It's, it's just one of those, like, why is he, in the, why is he even in the, in the starting lineup? I, I just, I just don't get it. It raises more questions for me than it answers. I would never have him anywhere near. I wouldn't have a Nomo either anywhere near. Well, then, and, and, no. well then, just two minutes later, 3-1, as a ball forward, quite a simple ball actually, found Bond who beats Parks. For me, I think Parks gets beaten a bit too easily. Parks is a strong player and, the, and Bond for Colchester made him look like he wasn't. Um, and then got the ball to a tight angle and beat Sargent. So from where we were sitting, it looked like a poor goal to concede, but actually when you sit back and tell it, it was quite a good finish. But then could maybe Sargent have done better or Parks from a defensive perspective. But at that point, it's game over, isn't it? Disappointing to concede so soon after the second and it's 3-1. Game's all done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then in the 85th minute, the real sort of talking point of the day was a red flare thrown onto the pitch um, and that seemed to cue a pitching measure. It was thrown on by a bunch of teenagers by the looks of things and um, they sort of ran on and then loads of other people... Sergeant jumped out of his skin when that... Because that, it wasn't anywhere near him, but when he saw it, he absolutely jumped out of his yeah. skin. And that seemed to be... It. That flare seemed to be a cue for all pandemonium. It, it, um, did, it, it was quite close to, to it, break to loose. Fair. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a nice thing that someone did. Um, no, but that seemed to be like the kind of everyone. This is the time to do it, and because there were two young boys standing around the south stand, just wait, like seemed to be just milling around there, and them two seemed to be one of the first first lot on. So we 
were just sitting there kind of looking at what was going on and then the gates just opened. So we gave it five minutes, gates were still open and it was kind of like, come onto the pitch. So we did yeah. um, and there were no signs of you know fans being removed. So we made our way back onto the Hello Turf of Brisbane Road that we were last on as fans after the Peterborough game <laughs> almost three years ago. So, so much... So much happened. can change, George. What was what was what were the thoughts upstairs in the press box as all this is going on? Um, I think at first, well, we all kind of expected a, a protest of some sort, but I think a lot of us probably expected it to be similar to the Hartlepool game where you'd come on after the full time whistle. Um, and at the time, I think a lot of us were sort of you know debating whether the game could potentially finish. A lot of us kind of were in, in agreement that you couldn't see the Orient fans going anywhere. And then um, at the time, I was sort of thinking about. You know, the ramifications really you know whether they could get a fine or, or sort of points deduction but to be honest in hindsight I've, I've taken my hat off to every single one fan that done it to be honest because I think it's been in I think I've seen it on an Italian website I've seen it on a on an American website it's probably gone all over the world to be honest and and the only way all the fans are really going to make everyone know about how bad an owner Francesco Bicchetti is is by doing something like that and you know, fair play to them. They've they've done it. They've they've achieved that sort of goal in terms of raising the awareness of how bad he has owned Bayonor and and um, and obviously you know you had the kind of calls didn't you for them to leave the pitch and and that sort of stuff. And at the time I was thinking, well, you know, they've kind of have they done their bit? Maybe now they should leave. But I think actually, you know, staying on the pitch was the right thing and, and not going because it, it just sort of it forced well. I think obviously you'll speak about it, but I think it's basically the Orient fans have essentially shown the EFL for what they are really. All they care about is getting the games completed. They don't really care about how bad the club is being run or what's going on behind the scenes. All they want is, you know, everyone to carry on like it's all hunky-dory and let's just get the fixtures done. It's another great job by the EFL when, you know, the fact that they've, you know, essentially they lied, didn't they really? They, um, I don't know the full ins and outs and, you know, who I know they spoke to both managers and the sort of referees, but I don't know how far it went from from that point onwards. But they obviously told them to make an announcement saying the game had been abandoned, so that all the fans would leave, and then they could end it, end the season at Brisbane Road, so to speak, with a behind closed doors. Well, I don't even know what you could call it really, but you know, full credit to the Orient fans. I think um, you know, I think they've done done the right decision, and uh, everyone knows now about Piketty, and everyone, well, most people know about. Yeah, absolutely. So while we're on the pitch, like you said, there was a few announcements uh, for fans to leave the bit the pitch, so the final five minutes could be played. And then there was another announcement warning fans the club could face sanctions from the FA. Fans don't leave the pitch soon. I've got to say, the tunnel is you can't even hear it on the pitch, let alone the stands when we were there. So we could hear muffling. And then we went over to fans from Orient, went over by the Colchester fans. That was a nice five ten Lovely. minutes actually singing songs with the Colchester fans who were also singing they were fantastic. stand up for the Orient sit down for the Orient Bichetti out yeah. um, which and was nice at least other fans you know, all the other fans from all other clubs can see how bad it is they've all supported us and our crew were doing the same so were Hartlepool uh, and then Risa walked out onto the pitch I, I mean from where we were I, can, I could just about hear him but I didn't know who it was at that point Risa and then Elwood came out uh, done his best to try and get the fans off the pitch but you know at this point no one's listening everyone's Chanting and the more people coming out telling you to get off, it's just making people it's more booing. reluctant people to, booing them. Yeah. to get off. So it um, lasted over an hour, um, but the referee wanted the game to be finished. So the announcement over the Tannoy that the game had been abandoned cleared cleared the pitch, as you said, George. And then 
Um, I was in the supporters club uh, and it was announced that all bars in the club, including the supporters club, are to close by order of the Metropolitan Police. Um, and then just, to, I said, I, I think it's me, Luke and Luke's dad were like the last three fans out the, out the ground. And I think the stewards are sort of walking us out sort of thing, just not to make sure we go, but to close the gates yeah. behind us. Um, and then you start seeing tweets about the players starting to warm up. When did you get wind, George, that this was going to be played out then? Um, I think, what what time did it get announced at the band? I think it was about quarter to six, wasn't it? Um, oh, around right, about yeah. then. Yeah. And then, so my, my focus then was to try and sort of speak with Omar because I didn't really fancy a week of uh, having no, no quotes from him. So I was sort of asking Colin and Charlie about you know, whether we, when we were going to do the interviews. Um, that was after sort of doing my match pool, which obviously later got um, deleted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't abandoned after all. Um, so it was probably probably about 15 minutes might have passed by then, maybe about 20. Um, and then as I was sort of about to go downstairs um, to go and, um, into the second part of, uh, of Orient and then out onto the pitch to sort of try and find Omar, um, someone came upstairs and, and said that um, you know the game might be uh, the game's definitely not over. And as we sort of come back out onto the the, um, the press bit, you could see a lot of the staff on the pitch clearing. I think it was a lot of the season tickets yeah. were sort of in the middle of the pitch, weren't there? And there's a lot of sort of paper. And as soon as they started clearing that, it, was, it sort of tweaked in my head that obviously the um, the plan. Of, well, I don't know if I don't know if then I thought the plan all along was to announce it had been abandoned and then. So, to sort of get it sorted but as soon as you sort of saw them clearing the pitch it was pretty obvious what was taking place um, but even after that it was probably a good again the sort of last five minutes didn't start for another 20 minutes from then so there was a, sort of quite a lot of waiting around and you know sort of 10 minutes later the players come out and sort of went through their warm warm ups and and then yeah eventually uh, it started again but it's really really strange to be honest just to just to see it all it was can I say this is uh, the, the most surreal moment I've sort of had to cover in a football game I'd say yeah I don't think it's ever happened uh-huh. to us before so the game is played to the end with the Orient players just playing the ball amongst themselves and the game came to its natural conclusion with a 3-1 loss in what is our final home game of the season and our end to a 112 year yeah. football league membership and we finished our home season by losing 18 of our 23 league games at Brisbane Road this season that is the most games ever lost in the fourth tier of English football so we've managed to set an unprecedented and unwanted English football uh, record yeah so um, obviously lots of lots of talk around this lots of people discussing it and um, the EFL then release a statement uh, about this it says the Skybet League 2 fixture between Leighton Orient and Colchester United is being concluded behind closed doors. The decision to play the match to a conclusion has been agreed with both managers and with the referee's support. The police and the stadium security staff are happy for the match to restart and this took place a few moments ago. Despite requests for the fans to clear the pitch, there wasn't sufficient movement to allow the game to restart following a pitch invasion. A decision was taken with the police to announce that the game had been abandoned as it was felt that this would help clear the pitch, which proved correct. However, it was felt that the game needed to be played to a conclusion in order to maintain the integrity of the competition and in respect of Colchester United's position of being able to qualify for the Skybet League 2 playoffs. So that was a statement there. 
from the EFL about the situation. Like you said, George, there can't be many examples of a match ever being played uh, under those circumstances after, after a process and after being abandoned. No, it was um, you know sort of after those things, and then to watch the uh, the players have a keyboard session as well. It was so strange. Um, I, I, I just I just expected them both teams to go for it. I know there's no fans there, but you know, five minutes left, just sort of I didn't see the need for uh, you know just to have that sort of keyboard session. And, and speaking to the managers afterwards, it seems the players agreed mm. between themselves because the managers both said. You know, go out there, lads, and sort of, and, and play the game. But you know, maybe the players thought, well, after such a long delay, do we really want to be sort of going you know, help a skeleton really with it and kind of pull muscles and things like that? So they sort of made that decision. But yeah, it's very, uh, very strange. And, and you know, as I sort of said about the EFL, just kind of sums them up. All they're bothered about is, is making sure games get played, and that's about it. Yeah, and I think I think it's probably a nice point to end on is that you've you were one of few people to see a game or the end of a game that, that, that nobody else saw. There's, I don't know how many up there in the gantry, but even if there's a dozen people, you, you know, there was no fans in the stadium for a professional yeah. football league fixture. You know, you, you are a part of history. The last home league game of the season for until whenever we get back in. If, yeah. And obviously one of only about a handful of people that actually saw that game reach its natural conclusion. So you're a part of history, George. <laughs> yeah, some... Uh... Some some strange way. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I'm hopefully going to Blackpool. There's obviously this massive, great, big um, hoo-ha going on at the moment, which we're going to cover later in the podcast. But I hope to see you up there. And thanks for all your reports and letting us use Absolutely. them in the podcast. It is much appreciated. And keep up the great work. Oh, thanks both of you. And uh, you know, sort of right back at you. I think I speak for everyone at Sam when I say uh, the podcast has uh, it's been a massive plus point this season and uh, much needed as well. It's sort of it gives fans a voice and um, you both do a great job. So, yeah, fingers crossed for see you both at Blackpool and then uh, we're talking about much better stuff next season. Nice one, yeah, yeah. I hope so. Brilliant. Cheers, George. Cheers, Appreciate George. that. Take care. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Bye-bye. 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 So that was George Sessions speaking about the Colchester match and, like we've said, always great to have George on the show. Very knowledgeable and very good reporting. So after the match, Omar Risa spoke to the press and he said the EFL came down and spoke with the officials and both managers and we had to come up with a plan and agreement to get the game on because nobody wants to come back next week to play eight minutes. The only way we were going to be able to disperse the fans was to say the match had been cancelled and then the fans left. It was a solution that the EFL came up with and we went along with it. Anything can happen at late night at the moment so we've got it sorted and we move on to next week now. I mean that's that quote can be used in any... Uh, week of orange can't it yeah. anything can happen at the moment yeah. and, orange. and it will so it will league work. table as mentioned in the last podcast we finished the season in 24th uh, as 24th in league 2 regardless of the result and I think the less said about the table the better so yeah. we're going to swiftly move on so my views on yeah, that game views. not the way I envisaged us ending the season or our football league membership I don't think the pitch invasion for so long was productive because it meant that we didn't get to show our appreciation for the players and the staff who were meant to go on the balcony at the end, uh, which is a real but shame. I do think they could have, they still could have done that though, because it wasn't, it wasn't like people were, um, like it wasn't like a violent protest. And at one point, everyone was by, like the whole group moved over to where the like balcony. They could have just brought the players out, and that probably would have dispersed, dispersed anyone. Anyway, maybe, but yeah, but yeah, 
but a few great moments during the pitch invasion, especially when the Colchester United fans were singing Orient songs and we were clapping each other, a, sh- a sign of mutual appreciation. Yes, absolutely. Especially given what had happened in, uh, after their first, first goal. goal yeah. um, it, it, it really just show, just does show you what, what type of people that we've got supporting the lower league football. Also, really good positive is we met lots of fellow fans <laughs> and listeners to the podcast. So thanks to everybody. Uh, who came over and said uh, hello I also just want to take this opportunity to say thanks to all the pros and all the staff who have carried on despite the circumstances it it has been really really appreciated I don't know if we could ever say in words how appreciative we are uh, of that from a footballing perspective I mean what a great goal by Sandro Semedo from out of nowhere and that goal is the last Orient League goal at Brisbane Road for the time being and I think what a cracking sign off that, that absolutely is Great Your point. Voice. Great point. Uh, yeah, for me, you know, day with football just really was always going to take the back seat. Same old story in the first half. Not many chances. Uh, conceded from Colchester's only one threatening attack. But Samedo's goal, beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, he's a player. When he's confident, he could be a great um, prospect for us. Yes. Yance, what can you say? What can you say that hasn't already been said in the last 20 minutes? Um, I thought Pollock was brilliant, actually. I've got to say, Pollock was really good. And considering he... Seems to get an injury on the 70th minute. Seems to be struggling. I think he's done really well to carry on. Yeah. Samado was Great. good. Abraham's lively. Yeah. You know, everyone has their own opinions on the protest, whether it was right or wrong. But like George has said, you know, you see articles from the Washington Post and the States, from Italy. So it definitely got the job done. Definitely gets a message out there about Bichetti. Uh, but just a shame about the EFL lying again about the situation. You know, the EFL and the FA have not come out of any situation this season where Orient are concerned with any amount of credibility. Um, which is disappointing considering that's yeah. what they're there for so obviously after the match loads of views tons of views um, that we got we obviously can't mention them all because obviously just going over an hour at the podcast we don't want it to go for two three hours but we'll mention what we can so firstly a DM from MP Allen 222 says over the last three years I've seen people saying that Pachetti's ripped the heart and soul out of this club but I disagree for me the heart and soul of this club is us the supporters he relegated us from League 1 and we are still here he relegated us from League 2 and the Football League and we're still here. We don't even know what league we're in next year and we're still here. If he liquidates the club, guess what? We'll just form a new club and we'll still be here. Bichetti cannot beat us. He cannot get rid of us. He can do whatever he wants. He can change the manager every week, not pay the staff. Sack and replace the staff who ask for their wages. He can relegate us, take us out of the Football League and even liquidate the club. And the fans will always be here because we love our club and because that love will never die. Orient will never die. We got relegated last week and yet today we have our biggest attempts of the season. The love and passion that we feel for our club is something that Bichetti can never take away. And on a final note, well done to every O's fan who went on the pitch and protested today. But I'm absolutely disgusted that the FA, EFL and even the club lied to its own fans saying the game was abandoned when it had no intention of abandoning the game. A very sour end to a very proud day. A very poignant last line there. It's yeah. very good. Yeah, very good. Very good message there. At CM Oriental uh, says, As much as I'm angry about what's happened to our beautiful club, protesting like this will see us hammered by the FA who hate us anyway. Crazy. Yeah, Alb5399 says, I couldn't be any proud of the Orient fans. That was the right thing to do. You hit the EFL where it hurts. Kevin underscore Ellen underscore. Protest was unfortunately the right thing. Respect to Colchester and impact may have. However, whoever, whoever own club comes first. 
However, our own club comes. However, our own club comes. Yeah. Sorry, good to give the EFL a bit of a headache. Yeah, at Tompey, nineteen eighty-four. Says a protest after the match wouldn't have been as notable as this. Fair play to everyone on the pitch. At Lenin four, match was irrelevant, but Sandro still scored a worldie. We had to do something and not be ignored yet again. I fully support the protest. Mid-table obscure says, in my opinion, the protest was wrong. The lads who came through to the first team deserved a lap of honour for their efforts. Hashtag Pachetti out. So mirrors what you were saying before, yeah? Yeah, at Les LK 52 I'm split. I'm frustrated as the next fan, but it wasn't like we weren't getting any attention. What will it achieve other than a fine and points deduction so good luck getting a fine out of Bichetti yeah at Boeing 1977 says Omer will come out and say the boys just wanted to come back and finish a game of football but this was more than just a game of football the club itself is in danger and we fans feel I guess we had no choice as we can't sit by and let this happen James O'Hagan says any punishment issued for this pales into comparison to the punishment that was no action against the owner. Great Point. tweet there, yeah. I think Blackpool done something similar um, about three years ago and got fined 50 grand, I think. And a 12 month suspended it. sentence of some sort. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. At Vince Howard, 73, says if the FA and EFL had done their job properly, it wouldn't have come this far. You can't expect fans to just sit back and take it. Very good point, Evan. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. Uh, yeah. At a CC2, point was well made by the time Errol spoke. Should have finished then. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Stephen Orient says, surely fans who paid and have been misled have every right to claim their entrance feedback. Good luck with that one. At <laughs> yeah. scene, what a joke. Being lied to in order to clear the pitch to finish... The match behind closed doors is just shocking. Baggy, is it? Is it? Is it really that shocking? Am I missing something here? It's it's a bit out of order. I think right. you can say. Baggy's house forty two says I'm angry uh, and peeved at the so called fans this afternoon. You have not achieved anything. Not true supporters. And to come back to that, there's a video doing rounds on Twitter. I'm sure everyone's seen it from at down. It's had two and a half south. thousand retweets or two over two thousand. Retweets and two thousand over two thousand, which is the woman favorite in, in the, the red clown, clown suit, telling people to this get. This is the not pitch. a playground. <laughs> yeah. The irony that was like that tweet that said, that, "Yeah, said by a lady wearing a clown outfit." Yeah. It's absolute genius. Uh, at oh dear Walshy, glad the protest happened and glad the game was finished. FB can't ignore yeah. that. At Johnny underscore two six nine nine says, "If no points deduction, the protest was right as it sends a stronger message." Should have listened to Omer though when he said to get off the pitch. Sandcast9, I like Omer Ritza, but I'm not sure I can ever truly support him as O's manager after today. He supported the EFL's behaviour. I guess he was in a bit of a no-win situation Correct. there, isn't it? Spot on. At unexpected Item Zero says, The Orient situation has been discussed now on Five Live and it's trending on Twitter. It's had the maximum publicity that we needed to put pressure on the owner and EFL. And like we said, you know, it's getting it trending, Five Live, all the radio stations... <laughs> Could have been talking about premiership matches, but lots were talking about the situations at Orient. Like Sky Sports were leading with it at one point, you know, yeah. following what was going on. So, yeah. got the job done. John Macker, 1977. Weird day. Protest should have been after the game, but totally understand why people did it. Cole U fans were first class. Great goal from Sandro. Probably goal of the season. Fingers crossed for news next week yep. with the looky-eye emoji. Yes, that's Anti-Knife UK. He says, we went on the pitch as we have tried everything else. Today was our last chance to make our feelings heard and felt and no one got hurt. Yeah, it's like the most British protest ever. I think no one got hurt. There was no aggro. People I think, from opposite sides clapping and cheering. I think it was Matt Simpson or James Master said it's the most middle class fans protest you will ever see. Yeah, it absolutely And there's, there's a guy with a wheelchair just, you know, a family with a wheelchair. You know, very peaceful, very 
nicely done. It's like that picture of the guy who's sadly no longer with us. Yeah, and um, his wife, yeah. yeah. And his wife, yeah. After the Peterborough matchup. Yeah. Uh, at LOFC1978, and any Orient fan not agreeing with the pitch invasion, please stay away from my football club as you have no idea of the bigger picture. Bendy Bollard says, I'm actually pretty shocked that a few O's fans were against the protest. Today was long overdue. I'm proud that we've done that today. Yeah, I am. MO said, thought Semedo was much better in the centre of the park. The protest should have been at the end, in my opinion. Colchester looked average as their usual, as, as usual, their first effort on target goes in. Great leveller, then calamitous defending and keeping kills the game. Yeah, and then the final word goes to at Leon Arresti, who says, I totally support the pitch invasion, but a little gutted we didn't get to say bye to the players, given most won't be around next season, and they've given so much in such terrible circumstances in the last couple of months. A great tweet there from Leon, you know, people like, to end on, yeah. people like Callum, uh, not Callum, sorry, yeah. former Callum, Callum Kennedy, Nige, and like players who've done like two, three years maybe in a year, oh, okay. don't get that sign off, you know, so I've always wanted to say thank you to the young players who've come through, what about the pros who've been there yep. under extreme circumstances, so those are all tweets into at Torrent Outlook, so thank you for all your tweets uh, after the Colchester game. Yeah, so Prediction League, we ran that uh, for the penultimate game of the season, and we are pleased to congratulate at Strop underscore O, at Giorgio Irwin, at... Uh, 77 at Leon Oresti at Lee Gibbs 1 at Tapster underscore 7 who all correctly predicted 3-1 no scorers um, predicted uh, correct uh, scorers predicted so O's fan basing is 5 points clear at the top Lee Gibbs 1 is in 2nd Tommy T Leaf in 3rd and Joe underscore Pavit at Leon Oresti at LOFC1978 at Strop O are in 4th congratulations to you all yeah looks like Ozan Basin will win that but one game left and anything can happen so fantasy football update Tolo Sangawawa is now leading on 1926 points with Barry Underwood six, sorry 8 points behind him uh, going into tonight's Liverpool-Watford game so we don't know the score of that so that yeah. might have affected the table Emery can as it stands overhead by I'm in the 20th place I've got yeah. my top 20 wish um, so obviously three more I games think there's to go. a couple more games to go on that so yeah. we'll keep you posted on that one yeah Emery can scored an amazing overhead bicycle kick okay yeah 1-0 apparently at the moment as we record so Sunday the 30th of April yesterday the ladies team beat Carl Shorten Athletic 4-0 with two goals from Sophie Lamarchin a stunner by all accounts from Ellie and a penalty from Danielle yeah. Griffin and well done to the ladies who'd done a half time walk round they did uh, on Saturday so it's good to I stood and clapped along with everybody else around it was really good I think I was on the way to pick up another shirt from someone so well done to the ladies and great to see them getting uh a round of applause from all corners of Brisbane Rose which leads us on to today Monday the 1st of May so Omar Risa spoke to George Sessions about putting plans into place for the forthcoming season so he said most of the youngsters are still contracted here after this season and Clarkie has been in talks with the club about staying on Sandro is under 24 and a contract was offered to him earlier in the campaign and if they haven't come to an agreement yet then that's something that needs to be sorted out but we don't want to lose anyone and I certainly don't want to Although with the current situation, anything could happen. So it's not the first time Omer is just saying anything could happen. He's alluding to a few things going on. Yeah. So for me, you know, we've got Adebayo signed now. The club seems to have offered Sandro something, and Clark is talking to the club. So Pete, like obviously. we said, like we mentioned, someone is obviously doing something. Um, yeah. So maybe not all doom and gloom as it stands. We also received an email from Nigel Conway, who said, "Thank the Lord, this season of utter despair is nearly over." Just want to say thanks for the great pods. Listening certainly makes my weekly treks up north go much quicker. 
Suppose between now and August we'll have to listen to boring talk sport. Sorry but about ma- that. Maybe get you back on talk sport at some point in the yeah, end of breakfast on. show. Host of the On Outlet podcast, Mr Paul Levy. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, just can't get out my out of my thoughts that our troubles are still down to the smug Hearns, particularly Eddie, who I understand persuaded his father to sell up to this lunatic. They've gone from strength to strength in selling up. Funny how Barry distanced himself even further last week by resigning as life president. Finally, I think we should all demand our money back from EFL and the FA for Saturday's debacle. They completely conned us with their disgraceful behaviour. As long as Paquette is gone... See you next season. Cheers, Nigel. So, so that was an email from Nigel, you know, going back to the Hearns and saying, making his point, he won't probably go to home games as long as Bichetti is still at the club, as we discussed earlier on the podcast. So just as we were about to start recording, or about an hour, well, two hours before, uh, so just before 7pm, the EFL issued a statement saying they have today supported a request from Blackpool FC to suspend ticket sales to Leighton Orient fans for Saturday's final game of the Skybet League 2 season. So yep. they issued the following yep. statement. That was the beginning part of the statement. Yep. It goes on to say, The decision was taken following a number of concerns raised by Blackpool ahead of the match on Saturday the 6th of May 2017. The rationale for supporting this request is to allow sufficient time for a full review of the match day safety and security arrangements and any options within these against the certainty of knowing the specific number of tickets sold to date and in which areas of Bloomfield Road. The EFL's objectives will always be to ensure that fans of both clubs are able to watch the match live, but in seeking to achieve this, we are required to consider all the contributing factors to ensure that the safety of everyone at the game is not put at risk. Blackpool's concerns are not without foundation based on both the events that took place at Leighton Orient's Matchroom Stadium on Saturday evening and the fact that Blackpool themselves remain subject to a suspended charge following the failure to fulfil their Skybet Championship fixture against Huddersfield Town at Bloomfield Road on the 2nd of May 2015. The EFL executive will consider all matters on Tuesday and ensure that all relevant parties are given the opportunity to contribute, including Lake Orient and Loft. A further update will be provided at 1800 on Tuesday the 2nd of May. So crazy season is just getting crazier and it's going to go out of a crazy bang. Yep, the club have also uh, tweeted saying the club have no further information following the directive to suspend ticket sales which we have reluctantly complied with. As soon as we have more news for our supporters we will of course pass it along. Please do not call or email the ticket office tomorrow as they will be unable to offer anything further. So the statement said there'll be a further announcement tomorrow night which is Tuesday 2nd of May at 6pm so we await that with bated breath. So for me, you know, it's just mental. Hopefully common sense will prevail for all the fans who already made travel arrangements long ago without purchasing tickets, as you, as you would. I think you would think you would tickets, get on there. Though. It's just the people that haven't got yes, tickets. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I think so if you've got a ticket... If you've got a ticket, you're, you're fine. Okay to get you're done. But it's just like me, if you haven't got a ticket, because I forgot, with all the pandemonium that went on, I forgot to go and get a ticket. Yes. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do now, is, a tr- is the honest answer. But they're saying it for the security. Like, the protest... Blackpool in the in the playoffs, they've got something to play for still. I position they need to win. I think on um, Saturday, if they win, they're they're done. They're safe. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. Like. So it's not like people are going to get the game like called off 
or there's going to be they're saying like security concerns what security like the protest that we had on Saturday wasn't violent well they just don't want more bad publicity so obviously there's a planned protest isn't there by yeah. Blackpool's supporters trust and loft that's before the game there's a march day three. Yeah, yeah. there's a but, march before the game leading up to the ground and white people are free to march in this country you're free to protest well you are if you're not uh, going into a football ground oh, by the looks so. of it so it's it's mental and I hope people like you know yourselves who've made arrangements to go down there without a ticket or plan to approach yeah, yeah. one this week will get their voices heard and get into the ground. But obviously we await that further announcement from the EFL um, tomorrow at 6pm. So a few views that came in. Um, at Slim Sadie 69 said, if I'm refused entry on Saturday, I will be making a small claimed case file first thing on Monday. Yeah, and at one Liam Thomas said again, an impotent EFL panders to those who pay for its lunch than those who un- than those who underpin the game. I think EFL have got to be you know wise. It's late on its last football league game. They've just been relegated. Blackpool in yeah, trouble themselves. What, what do they expect is going to happen? It's just it's mental. And after you know the fans storming the pitch on Saturday, it wasn't violent. That's what I'm saying. No controversy. That's exactly what I'm saying. There's no security risk to it. That's just that's just BS. Well, I think o- o- I think their their Blackpool and Iceland isn't too. Um, well, he's hated. Pleased. Well, I think that could be. He's hated. I think that's a big measure of, um, of maybe why this is all happening. I think the Iceland's yeah. have definitely got some kind of things going on there. So yeah, exactly. Let's move on into the negatives and positives from the week. Um, so the negatives, you know, another loss equaling the worst home record ever in the fourth tier of English football. Second negative is the protest. Seems to have split fans. You know, we were all united. I think for the most part we still are, but obviously a lot of fans didn't agree with the protest. And also, you know, for me, that game against Colchester was the last time we'll see many of those players in a no shirt at Brisbane Road. And you've also got players who not, didn't even play on Saturday who probably won't see again at Brisbane Road, like Sammy Moore, Nigel Atangana, Chizak, you know, yeah, who, sure. deserved, yeah. who deserved a send off. And Jens Jans, mate. Ta da. <laughs> Don't but, let the door bang you on the way out, fella, eh? So, positives? Yeah, a few positives. Season's almost over. I mean, that's um, got to be... Normally, that would be a negative, me, but I think we can all agree that that's probably a big positive. That's why it's the first one. <laughs> uh, Sandro's goal. What a world of a yes, goal. Well mate. done, mate. I've not been your biggest supporter. I've been probably been one of your harshest critics this season, but that's just because I think you could do better than what you've actually done. I think you've got... You are a great talent. You have got what it takes. It's just we've not seen it. I find that quite frustrating. It's only because you care, though, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, the youth players who have given it all throughout the season, through the entire season, you've been uh, consummate professionals, and also the positive that I've just added in with contracts being handed out to the young players as well. So whoever's doing that, don't really care, but because it's good that we're getting these young yeah. lads pinned down, and, and and you know we'll see what happens in the summer as to whether or not they stay, get sold, or what. I don't yeah. know. So hero of the week. So we're going to have heroes of the week. So we've got a joint um, joint award, yeah, yeah. this week. So yeah. firstly. First part of Heroes of the Week, go to the fans who decided enough was enough and held a peaceful protest on the pitch that got the media attention of the world. Yeah. Second Hero of the Week. It's going to be Super Sandro Semedo Brilliant. for his wonder goal. So well done, boys. Well, well done, everyone. Everybody. Yes. So, next week's fixtures. Obviously, just the one left to go, thankfully, and our last <laughs> in the Football League for at least a season as we travel all the way up to the northwest to visit Blackpool Pleasure Beach on Saturday the 6th of May. <laughs> and don't forget, this is a 5.30 kickoff. 5.30 in your diaries. Despite their off-field problems, Blackpool are currently 7th in the league despite losing away 
1-0 to Notts County on Saturday. They're currently in the playoff places on goal difference. A win for them will ensure they end the season in the playoffs. If they lose, then they might fall out of the playoff places. Yeah. In case you've missed it, there is a joint protest with Blackpool titled Judgment Day 3, and both sets of fans will be protesting against their current owners. Orient, uh, sorry. However, today it has been reported that Carl Oyston has said that any O's fans who have been identified as taking part in this process will be refused entry, and the same applies to O's fans who are not in the ground 25 minutes before kickoff, because apparently he's going to be closing the turnstiles 25 Crazy. minutes before Crazy. kickoff. Well, obviously, you keep an eye out for that. There's a further statement coming we'll straight in. Um, from the EFL um, <laughs> tomorrow at 6 p.m. So also. Uh, in terms of next week's fixtures, the women's team finished their season with a home match at Brisbane Road, which is fantastic. So they're playing Fulham next Sunday, 7th of May. Kickoff for this one is at 2 pm. So that's it. That's, that's it. episode 104 in an hour and 20 ish minutes. Thank you very much indeed for listening and staying with us. It's been another crazy week on and off the field at Leighton Orient. The staff finally have been paid their march. Uh, wages and then April's followed soon after. There have been some more rumours about companies looking at the O's but nothing concrete enough to really get excited about at the moment. On the pitch, the season is almost over with all our home games now completed and our last game saw the biggest fan protest against FB yet as fans stormed the pitch towards the end of the Colchester game as our 112 year history in the Football League comes to an end next week after the Blackpool match yep so we'll be back with episode 105 so we're hoping to do 105 next Sunday uh, to Hopefully. be confirmed based on what times we Paul gets home from Blackpool and if I'm still alive after my endurance race <laughs> which is going to be a Good tough one but we hope to do one next Sunday to round up the season if people wanted to sponsor you for that what do they do? Good point. Charity? I will tweet it. Yes, we're doing it for War Child. So I will, I will tweet something off the um, good little plug there. Thank you, Mr. Levy, uh, from the Outlook podcast account. So I'm going to play out um, with um, a song to remember or to be proud of the good times I have had and not to be do down Pete, down Pete, down, down Pete, Pete about Pete? relegation. And hopefully, you know, for everything we've had bad this season, summer will sort, sort out the owners and we'll come back bigger and stronger and have a celebration season. Hopefully next, next season. season. That's yeah, we'll do a link then. Yeah. yeah, like we did there. So thanks very much, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Hope to see you next week. And if you're going to Blackpool, travel safely. And thanks to George for coming on and yes. making his appearance um, for the umpteenth time on your Outlook podcast. Nice and one. Next one will be the final podcast of the season, and we'll have more special guests. Hopefully. Yep. So stay with us. Up the O's. Up the O's.